Well, we're going to be uh, finishing out this month our, our study of the, the first half of 1 Samuel together uh, called Appearances. Things are not as they seem. It's teaching us how to see life, how to see our circumstances, not just based on how the culture trains us to do that, not just based on how things outwardly appear to us, but what's God doing? God who looks on the heart, who knows how things really are, and who is working his purposes in unseen ways. How can he inform us how to walk through life? And uh, tonight we're going to we'll look at the topic of, of friendship, and, and Mr. Jordan Bellamy is going to take us in to the, the covenant friendship between uh, Jonathan and, and David. And I wanted him to, to share with us tonight uh, for a few reasons. One, because he's my friend. Uh, for another, because he has related with so many of you and cared for so many of you and helped you navigate friendship realities. But I, I know he's most importantly going to be taking us into God's word and bringing wisdom and insight for us. So welcome, Jordan Bellamy. We're good? All right. Can you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for your love that you displayed to us. Lord, we don't love in of ourselves, Lord. We love because you first loved us, and we get to experience it and express it because of you. So, Father, would you open our eyes to see in your word what the joy of friendship looks like? and how we are to share it with other people. I want to see what you have to say. Lord God, be with us. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it was about six long months since Frodo left the Shire, and he went on his journey to destroy the ring. And all along the way, he faced many difficulties. Loneliness, betrayal, orcs, my life. A lot of scary things on his treacherous journey. But he didn't go alone. With all that Frodo faced, he went with a friend, Sam. And at the end, when this apex of their journey comes to the base of Mount Doom, we get a little picture into the covenant relationship with Sam and Frodo. When Sam says this, now for the last gasp, Sam said, as he struggled to his feet. He bent over Frodo, rousing him gently. Frodo groaned, but with a great effort of will, he staggered up, and then he fell upon his knees. He raised his eyes to the dark slopes of Mount Doom, towering over him, and then pitifully he began to crawl toward on his hands. Sam looked at him and wept in his heart. But no tears came to his dry and stinging eyes. And Sam said, Come, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. 
and it is well. So up you get. Sam will give you a rod. Just tell me where to go, and I will go. What a glorious picture of friendship that shows us in this scene. But look, we live in a culture that isn't exactly fascinated with friendship, right? They're fascinated by a lot of things. Friendship isn't exactly on its top list. Now, you might think the platforms that you follow promote friendship because you've got friends on Facebook and you've got people hearting your staff. Like they love it, but they're not promoting friendship. They're promoting followers. They're promoting fans. And that is completely different from what we see here. But why is this? Why, why is friendship not sought after, thought of as fond and something that we would want? Well, C.S. Lewis gives an interesting insight when he writes, The first and most obvious answer is that few value it because few experience it. What a sad reality that is. But look, we, we're not immune to hearing about friends, right? Or experiencing it through social media and movies. We have some slides here, okay? Some famous movies with friends. Buzz and Woody. Nailed it. You got a friend in me, right? It's all about friendship. Of course, you have a deranged space ranger and a guy who's jealous, but continue. Next, we have Harry and Lloyd. Yeah. From Dumb and Dumber, what a friendship they had. I mean, one did use the other so he can go chasing after a girl, but still friends. Totally cool. I'm going to go this way. Next, we have, oh, LeBron James. Any LeBron James fans in the house? We are praying afterwards. It's totally cool. LeBron James. We learned friendship about LeBron James, right? Because he is friends with whoever is the next best player in the league, and he will try to get you to come to the team, right? Awesome friends there. Next, High School Musical. Don't you laugh. I finally saw it this year. Please, no, I've tried to keep my man card, but I did watch it, and it is so good. But what is a statement of, of High School Musical? We're all in this together, right? Get your head in the game. We're all in this together, but the funny thing is, you're not all in this together because at the end, they all separate and go different ways. Not really cool. That's in the third movie. Don't play with me. Next. Hamilton. Who has seen this on Disney Plus? Yes, absolutely. But Hamilton and Burr had an interesting friendship. It wasn't exactly friends, they're more like frenemies, right? Way different, all right? So don't get it twisted. All right, I don't know if we have any more, if that is it. Oh my goodness. Charlie and Addison Ray, yet. Oh, look at the friends that they have. They have tons of friends. Addison, about 54 million, and Charlie, about 42 point something million. Great friends, right? They're not your friends. They are just fans and kind of awkward. What are we promoting here? What was that? That's not funny. Next? Not next? What was that? Oh, oh my goodness. Not there yet. So we, we have ex examples in life that we live, but we need to be able to distinguish what real friendship should look like and what it is and why we should pursue it. These can kind of perk our interests, but they just fall short in regards to what it needs to look like for us. Right? Because if, if this is what you're being informed by, you can have a skewed view of friendship. Right? And you're going to start to be friends with people and be like, oh, yeah, she's my girl. That's right. And then she makes you mad. You're like, I will cut her. Right? Like it just flips that quickly. Okay? Especially if you're being informed by other things apart from the Bible. Right? So we want to look at what God has to say about this. Right? Or maybe you're hanging out with someone for a while 
and then you just pop off for them because someone cooler came with more clout, and you're like, I'm going to go with them, right? And so the rolling ball continues, and we are further away from where we need to be. But the truth remains, you don't have friends just to have friends. There must be something deeper than that. Friendship has to be about something. You can't just have it because you want a friend or you want to hang out with someone. It's got to be about something. There has to be a, a common thread that you guys have in common and a goal that you are going after. But look, I get it. it. It comes at a cost. But despite the cost of friendship, we need this in our life. St. Augustine wrote, My greatest comfort and relief is in the consolation of friends. Friendship has joys that captivate my heart. And he talks about friends when you are enjoying the company, when you're talking and laughing, when the friend leaves and there's that awkward farewell and when they come back, you're so excited. He talks about the joy of friendship. These are sparks that kindle a blaze to melt our hearts and fuse them inseparably into one. And we need it. Friendship is a means of fellowship where you can walk with someone. It is a means of salvation. It is a means of perseverance in this crazy thing we call life. And it is a means of encouragement and joy all along the way. But it takes more than just being a friend. It takes a commitment. It takes covenanting with someone. And so we're going to draw our attention to God's word now in 1 Samuel chapter 18. But the story of Jonathan and David is a rich one. If you like movies, you're going to want to watch this one, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 18 through 23. Just kidding. But here's what we are going to do, okay? We are going to take this. If, if this 18 through 23 is a movie, what we're going to do is we're going to give you kind of like a trailer for it, okay? And so we're going to have the slides up here. We'll show you the actual text so you can follow along. I'm just going to read bits and pieces of this so that you can trace with us this amazing story of friendship. All right? Let's go to God's Word. Chapter 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hands and struck down the Philistine, and the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as long as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. But David vowed, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly... As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do. Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, 
Go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph and Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Well, we see here this amazing story of friendship and faithfulness. Jonathan to David and vice versa, but David gets a lot of clout, right? This dude is like highly touted, and so we're going to focus more on Jonathan and what he did for David, okay? And so when you, when you get this trailer of this movie, which I know is kind of long, when you get this, you get a picture of this unbelievable friendship and what it cost both of them, and especially Jonathan. So it can't just be like, hey, we're besties. Let's go have life together, right? It, it, there's a commitment that, hey, I'm going to be with you to the end. And it began with a covenant that we see here in verse 3 of chapter 18. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And this idea of covenant, this is, this is a choice. It's a chosen relationship into where two parties make binding promises to each other. It's, it's, it's a relationship that two parties voluntarily enter in. No one's forcing their hand. Jonathan willingly did this with David, not really knowing this. And so we get this picture in Trolls World Tour. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? Yes. Not good, okay? Just come on, guys. If you're going to do a sequel, make it good. It just was not that good. But we have a, we have a slide from the, from the movie. I think you guys got a brief thing. Yep. Yeah. Right, so in World Tour, Poppy makes a pinky promise, which is apparently an epic thing in Trollland, okay? With James Corden's character, you know, the one that holds, Mr. Dingo, that one, right? And so makes a pinky promise, and it's like this epic thing that means like, if you break it, you're going to die, right? And the pinky promise like builds up, and then it projects out into the land, and then that one like graphical one's like, a pinky promise, right? It's like everyone knows that when you make this, you better keep it right? And, and Sam in Lord of the Rings makes a similar one when he, when he makes a promise to Gandalf, when Gandalf says, don't you lose him, Samwise Gamgee. And Samwise says, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. That covenant, that choice to covenant with someone, Jonathan did with David. But why did he do it? I mean, what's the point? What's so great about David, right? Okay. So he came out and killed a giant. Yippee. Nice. Okay. Was, da was Jonathan immune to war? Absolutely not. You kidding me? Jonathan, when we first meet Jonathan in the Bible, this guy goes to his armor bearer. He's like, what's up? Hey, dude, me and you, we're going to go over here, climb this rock face. I know it's weird. We're going to do it because there's a garrison of Philistines over there. You know what we're going to do? We're going to kill him. So he goes and does that, climbs it up, and slays 20. Okay? So Jonathan is no weakling. He's, he's quite content in his own ability. So, so what makes him attractive to David and, and, and do this for him? Like, 
he was. There was something in Jonathan that caused him to connect with David and to say, I'm going to love you and care for you until the end. And it sounds all peachy keen, right? But if you've lived on earth a little bit of time, you'll know that it's not easy. Covenanting with people is not easy. People are crazy, right? People will let you down, okay? I'm married. Ask my wife, okay? It is scary, right? It's not easy. But to reference Hamilton once more, in the Broadway show Hamilton, Washington says to Hamilton one line that I love. He says, Living or dying is easy, son. Living is harder, right? Well, in that same way, saying that you're a friend is easy, but covenanting is harder. It takes something out of you. It requires something of you. So it's not easy. You don't make it hastily. And we see the effect of this covenant on Jonathan and what it cost him. When we look at the passage in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30 through 33, it says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall, he shall, he shall surely die. Shamanahan. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled a spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Look, Jonathan was the crown prince, right? The heir to the throne. And so in his covenanting with David, he is risking that, okay? He is risking being able to be in that place of authority for his relationship with David. He risked his father's anger and even death. I mean, you guys complain about your parents? Any of them throwing a spear at your face? I don't think so, okay? He had difficulty because of his covenant with, John, with David. But did that stop him? No. But it's, it's, it's more to, to say, like, I'm covenanting with you, right? That's one thing. It's completely different to say it and to actually do it, right? And so what Jonathan does so wonderfully is he displays covenant friendship. He displays covenant friendship to teach us the priorities and how it looks. Covenant friendship looks like love. Why? Because a real friend loves. A real friend loves as he loves his own self. Right? The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. How much do you think about yourself? How much are you concerned about how you feel, what you're going through, when you're hangry, when you're thirsty? You're going to fix that problem, right? Or you're at least going to attempt to. So in that same way that you're mindful of yourself and you're concerned for yourself, you're going to be mindful of your friend. And that's how Jonathan was with himself. He loved him as his own soul. Jonathan put his friend's interest over his own. Look, he laid down his own ambition to be king. Don't think that that dude was like, I really don't want to be queen, like king. I'd rather be a Quaker, you know? Or maybe like a farmer or something. That sounds fun. No, he, are you kidding me? Do I want to be king? Absolutely, I want to be king. But he was willing to lay down his, ambi his ambition to be king for his love of David and his understanding of God's will and purpose on David's life. 
He was selfless in his love. There wasn't like this tit-for-tat thing with Jonathan and David. He was willing to give of him and not expect anything in return. And we see this in how Jonathan literally gave of himself. He gave him his robe, the sign of authority and, and royalty to him. He gave him his sword and his bow and his belt. He gave him all this, all the tools needed for David to be successful. He said, you take them and you do what God's called you to do. What a picture of love that is. I love that. We see, we, we see this, this love thinking about David when we finish that section that we just read in 1 Samuel in response to his father getting angry and mocking him and throwing a spear at him. It says, And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food for the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. So Saul comes out all ticked off, right? He denigrates his own son. He gives some horrific mama jokes, okay? He taunts the crown in front of him like, hey, dude, you want to be king? This dude's a threat to your kingship. You want to take him out or what? You're going to bite on that? And then he even throws a spear at him. <laughs> Jonathan endures all of this and guess what his response is? He's worried about his friend. He doesn't go, how dare you, dad? Like he doesn't do that. He's worried about David because he's grieved for David. That's what it says. So even in that, when he's suffering, the, the dude that raised me and talking about my mama and you throw a spear at me and I'm grieving for my friend because you're out to kill him. That's the kind of love that he had. And it's not just a love as you love yourself, but it is a love that loves at all times. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. That's what love looks like. It loves at all times. No matter, no matter what you're going through or how you have wronged them, they are faithful to love you no matter what comes along. So if you're hanging out with someone who's your friend and it gets a little difficult, maybe they're a little bit dramatic, okay? That's unheard of. And you're just like, yeah, this was nice. I'm gonna go now. God bless you right? No, it's, it's forbearing with them. It's being steadfast with them. It's loving them at all times, no matter what comes along. And David distributed this, uh, Jonathan distributed this not only in his love for David, but in his faithfulness, because a real friend is faithful. Faithful. And you're going to learn later in life, hopefully sooner, that faithfulness is a beautiful thing. He was faithful. He was utterly committed to David's well-being. He was faithful to show up when David needed him most. Their love is, the love of a faithful person is constant and it is tangible. You see it. It's not just said. You see it. So you see his faithfulness. When, when Saul was determined to kill David, Jonathan convinced his father not to kill him and was able to talk him out of it and return David back into Saul's presence as before. When David was in distress, Jonathan was committed to help him and say, whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. When once again Saul's intent was to kill David, Jonathan warned David, encoding the message through the boy, retrieving the arrows, so that David would know that Saul was out to kill him. When David was in the pits of despair, Jonathan reminded him of God's plan and that God would be faithful to bring it about. 
what a faithful friend Jonathan was. You want a friend like that? Picture this. Here's the scenario, okay? In 1 Samuel, he's out to kill him. David's hiding out, right? David flees. David gets word that Keilah, a city, is under siege by the Philistines. So David inclines to the Lord. Lord, should we go up against these Philistines? You shall. So they go. Smoke them. Kill them. Free Keilah. Well, guess who gets word that David is at Keilah? Saul does. So what do you think Saul does? I'm going to come and kill you, boy. So he does that, right? He goes scampering after that. So David asks God, is Saul coming after me? Yes, he is. Will the people of Keilah, the people that I just freed from the Philistines, will they give me up to Saul? Yes, they will. So David flees again. So just, just try to picture here David's dilemma, okay? Time after time, doing God's will, freeing Israelites from many attacks of the Philistines, smoking Goliath, freeing Keilah. He's away from his friend. He's away from his home. He's away from his wife. And now he has to flee again in utter despair, loneliness, depre baby depression, deep in despair. What does Jonathan do? Sends him a text message. Hey, David, I heard you're on the run again. So sorry. Praying emoji. Love you. Right? Is, he, is that what he does? Is that what he does? He hits that one of those. He sends a gif. Love you. Praying. Right? No, he doesn't, he doesn't do that at all. Okay? What does he do? What does Jonathan do? Because Jonathan obviously knows Saul's intent. So what Jonathan does? 1 Samuel 23, 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. That's what Jonathan did. You got a friend like that? You got a friend who will do that for you? When you are in the worst possible circumstance, you got a friend who will be faithful, that will show up and encourage you in God? It's not, it's not just having a friend, guys. It's not just having a friend that you just have commonalities with, right? Like you, you meet a friend, you're like, hey, what's up? I don't know, man. You like sports? I love sports. Oh my goodness, come on, man. Hang out with me. Word up. So what else do you like? You like rap? Yeah, I do like rap. You like Drake? No. I thought you said you like rap. Exactly. Drake Byrne. Okay? Okay. That's, that's all I had there. Just trying to get at Drake. Um, it's got to be more than commonality. It's got to be more than commonality to getting together and like, oh my goodness, you do videos of yourself dancing and post it. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's get together. Savage. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be something stronger than that. And that's what Jonathan had with David. That covenant caused him to show up in the most grave of circumstances. And don't think it didn't cost him anything going to try to save David again. Are you kidding me? At one point, he was after his own son's head. And his constituents had to talk him out of it. A friend who is, you need a friend, guys. You need a friend who will show up who's not just primarily concerned with what they can get out of you, but how they can serve you and love you. 
friend who cares for your soul as they do their own. You got a friend like that? I got a lot. I got a lot. I got friends in this room who have walked with me for years. Friends who have encouraged me, who have spurred me on in godliness when I thought I just wanted to quit. I got Evan May who was willing to invest in me and who always opened a door for me no matter when. Always there for me. And not just there just to make me feel good. A man who was willing to show me God all the time. You got a friend like that? I got a friend that I've been walking with since 2006. Stream conference. Old school. And Jared Fry. That we have covenanted together. No matter what comes along. No matter how difficult it gets. We're, we're going to be there together to the end. For the glory of God and for your good. You got a friend like that? You got a friend like Eric? You want a friend? You want to know what it looks like to be a friend? You'll watch that dude. That dude has given of himself constantly to so many. I have been a significant recipient of his friendship. And so, although C.S. Lewis's quote talks about there's, there's nothing throaty or that gets the blood pumping when people think about friendship, when I think about Eric, it does. Not in a weird way, but a little bit. When I think about this man, I am grateful to God for the friend I have in these men. In Evan May, the legend, who I'm pretty sure is half robotic. Yes, and in Jared and in Eric. I have Jonathan's all over. Do you have that? Do you want that? My prayer is that you would have that as you do life, that you would have this. Have someone there when it's difficult, when he breaks up with you, or when she's acting cray cray, right? When you lose someone dear, or it seems like God is so distant for you right now. When you're at your end, do you have someone who, like Samwise, will come along and will pick you up and help carry you as you endure the burden that God has set for you? Not, to, not just to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to know. You got a friend like that? You might say, okay, but listen, dude, Jonathan and David were different. First of all, they were in the Bible. So everyone's zoppity in the Bible, okay? Everyone's so cool in the Bible. And so they were in the Bible, dude. It's easier for them, whatever. They, they were different. They were unique. Yeah, it was unique. You know why? Because it was biblical. <laughs> That's what it was. And so when you look at these guys, you're like, ah, oh, now that will never happen to me. Or maybe it's just because you have never experienced it for yourself. You've, you, you hear that, that quote from C.S. Lewis, and you're like, yeah, I've never experienced that, so I don't have a category for it. Maybe that is where you're at right now. You haven't experienced it, or maybe you haven't been that friend to someone. But let me tell you something. It is possible, and it is, by God's grace, available. And like the Mandalorian says, this is the way. No one's seen that? Okay. Well. Oh, nice. Thank you, one person, for shouting after words. That's not weird. But, but the question you might ask is how? 
how in the world did Jonathan do this with David? How was he such a great friend to David? He was a great friend to David because of the God that was between them. That's how. Covenant friendship is the doing of God and the display of God in us and through us. It is the doing of God. As we see in in verse 1 of of chapter 18, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Who did the knitting? God did. You think you're just going to go up and choose like, oh, this guy looks pretty cool. I think I'll hang out with him. God did the knitting. God caused something to come over Jonathan to say, that dude you need to walk with. That dude you need to love. That dude you need to be faithful to. He did it. C.S. Lewis writes this about this portion. He says, Ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The the friendship is not a, a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauty of others. God does the work. God knits us to one another. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we should lay down our lives for the brothers. We don't experience that unless first Christ did it for us. He's the one that does the work. He's the one that knits us together and he's the one that allows us to be able to express this to people because of the work that he's done in us. It is the doing of God. It is the display of God in what he did for us. All right, Zoe Fry, come hither. Also... Yo, Hulky Hulk, Andrew Descant, come, come hither. And Sarah Lemoyne and Nathan Loria. Randomly, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. All right. Let's see here. You get the duck. And you can have the lamb. Matt. Nice. I will give you the pig. No reason. You're swole. And you can have the cow because we both like Chick-fil-A. Nailed it. And I get the sword. No, no, no. Stand still. This will work better. Okay. You'll be first. Okay, so this is, this is the display of... Sorry. Sorry, you guys are pretty close. Splash zone. Um, this is the display of God in that in Genesis 15, when God makes the covenant with Abraham, this is what he does, right? So you guys know the story, okay? I don't have all the creatures, okay? Who has turtle doves on his hand, okay? But we'll work with these, right? So he takes these animals and says, Abraham, gather these animals, and I want you to cut them in half. And then I want you to lay them. It's okay. I'm allowed to use these, okay? Because the girls were crying when I took these and left because last time I took some of their toys to Christ's community, the kids broke them in the first 15 seconds. They were javelin things, bro. Come on, what do you expect? Anywho, um, so they're mad that I took these and they're crying because they thought I would destroy them and I will. All right, so I want you to hold, like, now try to spread your arms a little bit. Okay. I'm just, I'm just actually going to say, all right, just lay them in rows because, you know, we're scared about getting cut and whatnot. I do, I do, thank you. Well, no, you can stay in here. How about this? Y'all walk through these. Go ahead, walk through and go to your seats. Awesome. Well done. No, thank you, Swole. All right. Well done. So this was not an uncommon covenant made, right? And they knew that after you did this, you would walk through it, okay? 
And it symbolizes when you make this covenant, if you break your covenant, may what happened to these friendly forest creatures happen to you. Okay? That's, that's kind of scary, right? That's very sobering when you do that. The interesting thing that happens is God passes through them. Amen. Yes. I bless you. In that boiling pot, he, he passes through it saying, may this happen to me if I don't keep my covenant. And so because of God's covenant with us, we can covenant with other people. And I love the picture in the beginning before our passage when we see how David slayed Goliath, right? To the head. Nailed it. Did that kill him? No. Read the text. He just scouted over there. Then he takes up his sword and kills him and then cuts off his head. Okay? So he takes the sword, cuts off his head. He kills the giant, the sign of authority and oppression. And the next thing that happens is Jonathan covenants with David. You see that picture there of, of what God has done for us? That because of his work, what he did on the cross, we can covenant with him. It's glorious. So Jonathan displayed what Christ did for us and his loving faithfulness. So here's the question for us tonight is how do we do the same? How do we do what Jonathan did with David? And hopefully you guys want to be that for your friends and experience that for yourself. So how do we do the same? How do you know if you are a real friend and they are a friend to you? Here's the first foundational question. Do you look like Jesus? Do you look like Jesus? Does your friendship look like Jesus? Are you reflecting Christ? Are you reflecting the covenant love and faithfulness that Christ has given to us that is in the Trinity before time? Well, look, I, I get it. We're not, we're not him, and thank God we're not Christ, but we're called to grow in this manner. We need to grow in this manner. Ben, you can come on up, my friend. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Study your friends. <laughs> Study your friends. Study them. Know what they're like. Know what they dislike. Know how they react to certain situations. Oh, cool. Know how they react to certain situations. Right? Know what they like and dislike will serve you because, like, you know, in life, when birthdays are coming up, you know how to like, oh, I know they like this, so I'm going to get them a buzz of, oh, you're so sweet, stop it, right? You can do that for them. Know how they respond in situations. So when something happens that you hear about that, that's probably difficult for them, you can be like, hey, I just heard this is going on. How can I pray for you? Be aware of them and study them. It is going to serve them and be a means of grace for them. Are you quick to listen and quick to forgive? Or do you dominate the conversation? Are you a friend who is quite content to dominate the conversation and turn it to where it's all about you once again and what you're going through with little awareness or intentionality with how they are feeling and what they're going through? Are you that type of friend? Do you harvest bitterness when you've been wronged by a friend? Do you brood over wrongs that have been done to you? Look, I get it, friends will fail. They're not God. I get it. The best friend that you will ever have will only image Christ. They will not be Christ. 
the best friend that you will ever have will be a means of salvation, but they will not be your savior. I get that. But are you quick to forgive them when they wrong you, knowing that you have been forgiven of much? Are you grieved when they are not okay? Are you like Jonathan, grieved when he hears of Saul's intent to kill and harm his friend? Are you grieved when your friends are under attack? Do you, or are you the type that just avoids them when they're down, right? When they feel like they've been pinned against the wall by Saul's spear and they're, they're being under attack, or maybe they feel like they're in the wilderness hiding out. Are you the type of friend that avoids them? You don't try to hurry and make it okay because you don't want to deal with their drama. You don't want to be brought down by their situation, so you stay away. What do you do? Or are you the type of friend that hears about it, rises and goes to them and strengthens their hand in God? Or are you just quite content to put a band-aid over the wound? so you can get along with nice life and be happy again. If that's you, just pray that God would give you his love and compassion for your friend. Do you care about their holiness? Do you care more about their holiness than whether they think you're pretty dope or not? Do you care more about their holiness more than what you can get out of them? Are you concerned for their growth and godliness? Do you pray for their sanctification? Do you love them enough to wound them in love for their sake? Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of the enemy. Are you, do you love them enough to be willing to wound them for their sake? If you, if you have a friend that doesn't tell you about your sin, if you have a friend that's not willing to say hard things to you in love for your sake, you don't have a friend, you have a fan and really an enemy. In the same way, we don't, listen, I get it, look, we want to be able to be people that like speak the truth in love, but we also don't want to beat it over the head, right? So if you're the type of person that's like, uh, you're a sinner and those shoes don't match and my goodness don't even give me a start on your hair, right? That's a little much. So we don't want to be like that at all, okay? So there's a balance here because let's not forget what 2 Corinthians one twenty four says, right? This, this, this verse has rocked me and has helped shape the, the way that I want to minister. Not that we lord it over you, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in the faith. Do you have the mentality where you want to walk with them? You want to work with your friend for their joy and God. Be a friend like this. Are you committed to be their friend regardless of what difficulties await? Because this is what a real friend does. Sam left the Shire. Jonathan abdicated his throne. The awesome thing about Jonathan was different from what we see in Hamilton. Another reference. Because Hamilton was concerned about who's going to write my story. That wasn't Jonathan's concern. Jonathan's concern was whether or not they were going to see God through his story. 
and the greatest reality because what happened was if you continue to read in Second Samuel chapter 1, David writes a lament for Saul and for Jonathan. And so if you're a Hamiltonian, you're like, yes, he told your story, nailed it. Not Eliza, but still good, right? The greatest reality is not that, that there was a lament made for Jonathan and that Jonathan is written in here and you see his story. The greatest reality is that because of his friendship, David continued with God. David was spared because of his friendship. David continued and was able to do what God had called him to do because of the loving faithfulness of Jonathan to him. So we ask, why all this? Why be this way to people? What is the priority for friendship? Why do we deal with this craziness, with the headaches and the annoyance and the frenemies? And you were nice to me one day and you hate me the next. What's going on? Why do we deal with all this stuff? We do it for the glory of God and for the good of others. That is why we friend people, right? And it takes action, not just words. And so because of the grace of God in us and the Holy Spirit's power in us, we can do this. We can say, like Woody and Buzz, you've got a friend in me and mean it and hopefully experience a friend in return. Evan, if you want to come on, my friend. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for also removing the knife before I came up. Let's stand together. And maybe as you're hearing Jordan ask that question, do you have a friend like that? Your answer that kind of surfaces inside of you is, is no. I, I don't have a friend like that. Maybe you wonder even if you have a friend of any sort. You know, I, here's the encouraging thing. You know, there, there are lifelong friendships that I've enjoyed that, were formed when I was your age. And I love, I love that we have a community here where that can take place and, and, and where there's hope for relationships that have the quality that Jordan described from this passage, where God's at the center, where we're walking arm in arm. We care about growing together. We're about God's business. You, you, you really can encounter and form friendships like that during these years. But here's another reality, right? Everybody in here, you're, you're bringing with you your own struggles, your own immaturity, if I can use that word, right? And so we're, we're sixth through 12th grade in this group. And so walking these things out and, and learning how to manage it, right? It, it, there's a lot of unpredictability in how that takes place. I think often we we're more expecting other people to kind of take up the responsibility to be there for us, to understand us, to reach out when I feel distant, then we're willing to kind of bear the cost personally that it, it takes to have that kind of friendship. But I, I believe the Lord would want us to, to receive this because if, if your answer is, I can't think of having a friend like that, 
and I struggle to even know if I have a friend. What a beautiful picture that Jordan took us into tonight. Right, of the son of the father who left his throne and at great personal cost and at a threat to his own life came and pursued friendship. And that's, that, that's who our Savior is to us. And by trusting in him, this isn't just a, a clever phrase. This is how the, the Bible describes him. We, we have his friendship. We have his care. That's available to every single one of us by faith in him. And it's receiving his nearness and the power of knowing him that enables us to press it out when it's hard, when other people feel distant from us. And when friendship isn't easy. So I'm going to pray. And uh, Ben's going to lead us in singing, uh, Jesus, there's no one like you again. Because maybe you sang through that song earlier and your eyes glazed over the words. But it, it wasn't personalized to him, to who he is, to you, to what he's done for you. That you really are in relationship with the son of the king. He's pledged his loyalty to you at the greatest cost. So Jesus, right now we look to you. We, we confess how poorly we walk out friendship with you. How quickly we move on from you. How easily we're taken in by other distractions. How in a moment we'll trade you in for something else that just happens to have caught our attention. Thank you that you are faithful to us. That you are the true friend. Would we receive from your heart and would that give us all that we need to walk in wisdom and love these weird days that we live in, and to experience real friendship as you've planned it. To honor the weight of your glory, there are no words we could speak. Capture the depth of your beauty Jesus, there's no one like you Jesus, we love you and ever adore you There's no one like you Jesus, we love you and ever adore you There is no sinner behind The infinite stretch of your mercy How can we thank you enough For how 
how you have loved us completely. Oh, Jesus, there's no one like you. Jesus, we love you and ever adore you. There's no one like you. Jesus, we love you and ever adore you, Lord. And all we need, and all we want is you. Somebody got all we have. And all we have, and all we need, and all we Thank you that we have all that we need in you. And yet you've also said that it's not good that we would be alone. Lord, that we are designed to walk in life with other people as we walk toward you. So God, would you provide that? God, would you strengthen the friendships in this youth group? God, would you provide friends, Lord, for those who feel like they are kept at a distance? And God, would we pursue friendship with you? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, good night. Uh, Saturday, 6 o'clock, for moms and daughters at Loria Compound nearby. Y'all have a good rest of your week.